Welcome to the Bonhoeffer Podcast, a podcast about the life, theology, and practice of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I'm your host, Corey Tuttle. And my guest today is Dr. Christine Schleiser. Dr. Schleiser is a senior lecturer at Zurich University and the author of Everyone Who Acts Responsibly Becomes Guilty, Bonhoeffer's Concept of Accepting Guilt. Dr. Schleiser, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for the invitation. It's a pleasure to be here, Corey. Yeah, pleasure's all mine. Um, it's also good to be back doing this. I, I usually do this once a month. It's probably the longest break I've had. I think I'm, I'm three months behind or something like that. But, you know, the, <laughs> with the PhD requirements and the reading and the writing, things sort of caught up on me. And uh, mm-hmm. so it's good to sort of get back acquainted with, with more Bonhoeffer scholarship. And your book was a great way to, to sort of get back into it. Uh, it kind of goes throughout Bonhoeffer's life. So uh, I loved it. Thank you so much for joining me and, and thank you for the book. This should be fun. Thank you. It's great to be here. <laughs> so as far as, well, I guess in relation to doing a PhD, uh, this book is your PhD dissertation? Yeah, or, or yes, loosely <laughs> reformatted into a book, I guess. I'm, I'm learning more and more that there, there's a difference between the two, but uh, that that the core ideas come from come from your PhD. Um, what was your journey like to get to doing that? So, like, how how did you become interested in theology? What what took you to to do a doctoral thesis on Bonhoeffer? <laughs> Well, that uh, was actually the last thing I wanted to do. When I studied theology in Tübingen, I encountered Bonhoeffer um, fairly early in my studies, I think in my second semester there. And I read Life Together, um, together with a a small group. Um, I was living in a Christian dormitory at that time. And our small group leader um, wanted us to read Life Together. And when I read it, I was pretty much appalled. (laughs) I thought, oh my goodness, this is so strict and it is so narrow and who would ever want to live like that? I hope our small group leader will forget about these ideas very quickly and not make us live like that. Uh, So after that, um, I tried to avoid Bonhoeffer. pretty much um, for the next semesters. And I actually had to go to the United States to become reacquainted with uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer in a totally uh, new context, um, When who would later become my uh, one of my doctoral supervisors, uh, Glenn Stassen, uh, introduced me to Bonhoeffer again. And it was a totally new situation. This time I um, we read ethics together and parts of uh, letters and papers from prison. And I became fascinated by this theologian. Um, and I understood that his ideas reached much further than his little study that he did in a life together. And up to this day, I would say Bonhoeffer, uh, together with my other um, supervisor next to Glenn Stassen, uh, Jürgen Moltmann from Tübingen University, continues to, uh, to influence me and to challenge me up to this very day. That's great. How did the topic of responsibility and bearing guilt come up like as you were reading Bonhoeffer is it just you you were reading the corpus and kind of saw this as a theme how did that work well it actually emerged when I read part of his ethics and um, I became more and more interested also in Bonhoeffer's um, biography 
I think that for any theologian, this holds true that there's a connection between biography and theology. But for Dietrich Bonhoeffer, um, this holds true in a very uh, special way, I think. Um, and as I studied more and more of his life, and I got to know him as a Christian, as a theologian, as a pastor, as a pacifist um, for uh, parts of his life. And I started wondering how would a Christian, a pacifist, be able to become involved in a plot, in a political plot targeting um, another human being, trying to assassinate um, Adolf Hitler. So how did he ever reconcile that, you know, being called to be peacemakers and somewhere it says, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not lie. How, how do you reconcile that um, with the participation in a, a political resistance movement? And that is what fascinated me. And that is when I discovered the uh, concept of accepting guilt. And um, as far as I oversee it, at least um, in the literature that I'm familiar with, together with Martin Luther, who has few thoughts on this, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer is the one Protestant theologian who has in some systematic way developed the concept of accepting guilt. Wow. And that starts, as you say in your book, really early. Um, it, as you say, he, he sort of uh, really fleshes this out in ethics, um, or he, he's attempting to before he finishes the work, uh, before he's able to finish the work. Um, but it, it actually starts, as you say, in, in his dissertations. Um, so I'm wondering if we could, could start there. In St. Corn Communio, how does the concept of accepting guilt or bearing guilt show up in Bonhoeffer's uh, first dissertation? Well, the concept of accepting guilt does actually not show up in his first few publications, um, including his first two qualification works. You know, in the German speaking context, you have to do these right. two theses, the dissertation and then the habilitation. So his dissertation, Sanctorum Communio, um, there he is not yet that interested in these questions. Um, but still, I think it becomes an important way of forming the background that would later enable him to uh, flesh out the concept of accepting guilt. Because what we find in his uh, Sanctorum Communio uh, is um, his very specific understanding of Stellvertretung, this German term that is so difficult to translate into English, meaning literally um, stepping into the place of another person. And here, explicates Stellvertretung as something that is, um, well, he, he uses basically two elements to explicate Stellvertretung, being for one another and being with one another as the two pillars basically of uh, the sanctorum communio, the um, community of the saints, which is nothing else than the church. So being for each other, he explains as self-renouncing 
active work for the sake of the other person. And already in his Sanctorum Communio, we, we find some hints towards how this Stellvertretung as being for each other also includes the what I um, call the non-active acceptance of guilt. That um, he says, well, when we see the other person who, who is bearing guilt, who is suffering under his or her guilt, we help this person. We uh, um, help him or her bear this guilt by praying for the other person, um, by being there to assist the other person, walking with the other person. So already we have some indication of how um, he understands Stellvertretung also in light of non-active acceptance of guilt for the sake of the other person. Mm. So Bonhoeffer goes on to write this, um, this wonderful theological commentary on, on Genesis 1 through 3, uh, creation and fall. Um, I'm wondering, how does, uh, I guess, how does Bonhoeffer see guilt entering the world? And um, in, in what way is that guilt shared? Um, th this might uh, show a little bit more of that um, with and for one another. Um, yeah, how, how is that shared? Do you mean in act and being or in creation and fall? In creation and fall, sorry, I just, I just skipped over the act. Yeah, act yeah, and yeah, yeah. I'm fine with skipping act and being. Um, I think, again, well, the concept of acceptance of guilt doesn't uh, appear in act and being either because his interests, again, um, are quite different at that time. Um, the one thing that might be of interest um, for our conversation here is um, how he uh, talks about sin, how he talks about guilt, and that is actually one problem that remains with Bonhoeffer through all his um, published work, that he doesn't really ever give a clear definition of guilt. And that is also what becomes, would eventually become one of the um, unresolved tensions in his understanding of acceptance of guilt, because we have no clear definition of how he understands guilt, then what would be the acceptance of guilt later on. Um, but I'm already moving too fast here. So let's um, have a look at creation and fall. There, uh, we find quite some interesting ideas because here Bonhoeffer is already giving us a glimpse of how he understands um, ethics as the quest for acting or behaving or reasoning about right and wrong. And he would say that our knowledge of good and evil, um, tracing it back to Genesis and his, well, his exegesis basically of um, the Genesis narrations, and he traces our trying to be like God, Siku Dei, um, back to wanting to have knowledge of good and evil. Mm -hmm. And he would say, this is actually 
um, what hinders us later on, he would expand that thought, what hinders us of becoming like Christ? Because when we look at Christ, and this is the thought that already builds the bridge to his discipleship, uh, looking at Christ being formed more and more into the image of Christ, we only see Christ. We no longer see good, we no longer see evil, we see Christ. So our understanding of good and evil becomes less and less important as we focus more and more on Christ. And that, of course, is a radical new perception, um, especially um, for ethicists, um, me, myself being an ethicist. Uh, this is quite a, a challenging perception when we now have somebody telling us, well, you know, the differentiation between good and evil is not so important. It's much more important to look at Christ himself. Yeah, uh, I actually I did my master's thesis on uh, Bonhoeffer's understanding of, of autonomy. And that bit is the most interesting thing for, for me as I read Bonhoeffer, this never look at yourself, only, only look out to Jesus. And you alluded to it there. It's precisely, you find it in discipleship, um, this sort of very uh, Lutheran, only look out, never look in, uh, these sort of black and white binary terms of, of following after Jesus and only looking at him um, and not judging according to your own knowledge of good and evil. Um, you have this great bit about renunciation and the free conscience uh, in relationship to uh, Bonhoeffer's book, Discipleship. I'm wondering if you could elaborate on that a little bit for our listeners. Yes, um, in his discipleship, um, he calls that we as Christ's disciples must renounce our own knowledge of good and evil for the sake of knowing Christ. So as, disciple, as disciples of Christ, um, he especially explains it in his very last chapter uh, called the, um, the Image of Christ. Uh, he explains how we as Christ's disciples are being formed, are being transformed more and more into the image of Christ. And that means that as we are being formed and transformed, in, transformed into the image of Christ, we lose our own conceptions of what we think of as good or uh, evil. So all that matters is being transformed more and more into the image of Christ. And that, of course, has radical consequences um, for the way we do ethics, because our common moral values and criteria, also the conscience, which plays such a major role, especially in the Protestant tradition, you know, thinking back to Luther saying, oh, we must never act against our conscience. Uh, so uh, Bonhoeffer step, uh, takes Luther even one step further and says, well, our conscience is actually no longer that important mm -hmm. because we have Christ who actually takes the place of our own conscience. <laughs> A quote in ethics um, uh, where, where he says, yeah, where he essentially says that I have no conscience. Jesus is my conscience. And, uh, and, that we are, are always, as we use our knowledge of good and evil, prone to uh, critique ourselves, judge ourselves, 
and exonerate ourselves all apart from grace um, and, and that looking to, to Jesus is, is sort of the opposite of that, the way of faith, the life of faith and, and the way to live ethically. Um, you can sort of see this as you as you go through each book of the sort of like St. Corin Communio. There becomes a, a little bit more questions about revelation. Okay, let's address those in acting being. Oh, there becomes a little bit more questions about uh, uh, cognition and, and seeing how revelation works. Okay, well, creation and fall. Let's get so like the, each one kind of uh, there's a little seed in each one that goes to the next book. And um, so, as you mentioned, uh, looking out only to Jesus does teach one to live live ethically to to really depend on the will of God. Um, and so this is uh, where Bonhoeffer really starts to really address this um, this accepting and bearing guilt concept in Bonhoeffer's book Ethics. Um, so I'm wondering, what are some of the ways that we see this show up? Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, I like how you um, phrased uh, phrased it in terms of the seeds uh, that mm-hmm. are already you know present in his earlier works. But of course, there are plenty of more seeds um, that were not taken up later on, um, and this um, I think also has to do with um, the way. Uh, well, the, the context has changed, meanwhile, the historical context. And um, now, um, speaking of ethics, we have the situation that uh, the National Socialist Party in Germany has taken over. Adolf Hitler has been um, the Kanzler, the Reichskanzler since 1933. Um, so there are different questions that uh, are arising for Bonhoeffer and also for his fellow friends and uh, colleagues who are very critical of um, the Nazis. Uh, You know, you you have the church struggle um, and Bonhoeffer himself becomes very uncertain of how he should react. That is why he removes himself from the scenery for a while, writing in a letter to Karl Barth um, that he says, well, he becomes uncertain himself. And he writes, why should I? You know, he's a young fellow at that time in the early 30s. 30s. Um, how, How can it be that he would see things more clear and be more wise than so many of um, the more advanced uh, colleagues that he is looking up to? Uh, So he decided for himself that would be best, you know, to go to England for two years and to remove himself from the church struggle for a while. Um, to follow it, yes, but only uh, from a distance in order also to get clarity of mind for himself. Um, so when I, at the beginning of our discussion, um, mentioned how biography and theology is so closely intertwined in uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and this is something we, we always need to keep in mind. And um, so now we have ethics. Um, Meanwhile, uh, the Bonhoeffer family, who has always been uh, very well informed of um, also the atrocities of the Nazi regime, not least uh, through um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer's brothers-in-law, Hans from Donani, who uh, had, uh, who, um, who was working uh, as a, as a, 
um, legal um, person and who knew some of the details that ordinary people wouldn't even know. So now Bonhoeffer has to wrestle with this question. How can I, as a Christian, how can I deal with the tension of being called to be a peacemaker on the one hand, yet not become a silent bystander of gross injustice on the other. How, how do I reconcile with that tension? And this is what um, this exact question for me um, is still so relevant. You know, as we speak, we have this war in Ukraine going on mm -hmm. um, with um, Russia's um, war of aggression against Ukraine. And um, at least in my context, um, I'm not sure how it's uh, for, uh, how it's like in your context, but the churches are wrestling with this question. You know, should we send weapons to Ukraine? Um, weapons that are meant to kill other people. How can we as Christian churches deal with this tension? And again, I find Dietrich Bonhoeffer so helpful when he things through the concept of accepting guilt. And you mentioned uh, the, um, the notion of responsibility as the background of where he uh, develops this concept, not in a very systematic manner when we look at his ethics. Well, it's barely two pages, actually, that he devotes to this um, concept. But still, I think this concept is explosive. Mm. But maybe let's take a step back and uh, look at his concept of responsibility. And as he defines responsibility, it's already so different from other um, definitions. Um, as a German, of course, he is influenced um, also by um, the thought tradition in the German context. Um, we have, uh, well, in the German context, of course, most famously Max Weber um, responsibility um, as uh, Gesinnungsethik as a frame of mind versus an ethics of responsibility um, and trying to build up a, uh, well, an, uh, almost like an opposition, even though Weber, of course, is very well aware that uh, this opposition does not um, exist in reality in such a defined format, but in reality, there's always interaction between these two formats. Mm -hmm. um, so there has been a tradition of thought of responsibility and Bonhoeffer goes a different route. He says, what is responsibility? Responsibility is our response to the life of Christ. With our life, we respond to Christ's life. We already have this in the word, response, responsibility. In German, it's the same thing. Um, Verantwortung and Antwort, answer. And then he goes on and explains it in terms of four elements. He says responsibility is structured in, well, two pillars, namely being bound to God and to our fellow humans and freedom. So these are our two main pillars, which again, he 
explains in terms of two elements each. So we have four elements in total. And being bound to God and to our fellow humans, he says we can understand this by looking at Stellvertretung. And that um, relates to the very beginning of our conversation today, Stellvertretung, as he already thought about in his Sanctorum Communio. So Stellvertretung and acting in accordance with reality. And this might sound a bit abstract. What does that mean? You know, reality, again, we have in the German context, the whole thought uh, tradition, the philosophical concepts of reality. Again, Bonhoeffer goes a different route and says, oh, I'm not so much interested in what is reality, but in who is reality. Mm -hmm. And for him, it is Christ who is who becomes our reality. That is why he coins this new term of Christ reality in German, Christus Wirklichkeit. So these two elements basically make up what we think of being bound in responsibility to God and our fellow humans. Yet there is the other side, the other pillar, which is freedom. And freedom he explains in terms of, well, the concept of accepting guilt for the sake of the other person is one element and the other element is the free responsible deed which is also uh, performed in transcending ordinary ethical and even legal requirements. Again, you see the explosive nature of Bonifer's thoughts. Bonifer is dangerous. He is a dangerous man. And uh, he, he must be read with great, well, uh, appreciation and caution. What does he mean by that? Um, and here, of course, we are interested in particular in his concept of accepting guilt. And he has the idea, wrestling himself with the existential question of how, how should I react to the atrocities, to the gross human rights violations that are occurring every single day around me? What can I do as a Christian person? And he says, well, there are instances, he calls it uh, the Grenzfall, like, like uh, cases of, well, extreme cases, um, what Machiavelli called the necessita, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> when we actually have to renounce our own innocence. He recognizes one very important thing. And again, I would like to make the transfer to today's situation. He recognizes there is no way we escape the situation with a clean vest. We will not come out of this innocent. No way uh, how we act or how we not act. Um, so again, I would like to make the transference to our situation with the Ukrainian war. I think we cannot come out of this innocent. And Bonhoeffer realizes exactly this. And then he goes on to say, well, this is not, this is not a choice between good and evil. And again, we've talked about this um, when we quickly spoke about uh, creation and fall and discipleship. He says, we have no choice between good and evil here. We only have a choice between 
evil and evil. Hmm. There's no black and white. All we have is gray. How do we act in this situation? And he says, it's not an, uh, a question of acting or not acting because not acting is a form of action as well. Mm-hmm. So no matter how we look at it, no matter how we turn, we become guilty. And then he says, well, this is exactly what Christ's, what Christ had to do. He chose to enter our sin and guilt and become, and this is where Christ differs from us, and Bonhoeffer acknowledges that uh, Christ, of course, became the sinless guilty one. We, of course, are sinful and guilty. Um, But he says, if we want to be transformed, and again, connecting to his thoughts and discipleship, if um, if we are being transformed more and more into the image of Christ, this includes our entering into guilt for the sake of the other person. And here in ethics, he goes one step further from discipleship. Well, in discipleship and also in his um, Sanctorum Communio, he says, um, well, entering into guilt means passively taking on guilt. You know, I help the other person through intercession, through prayer, through assistance. And now in ethics, he says, well, he actually doesn't say it. And I, I, I think there's, uh, there, I, he should have made this more clear that there is a difference between non-active acceptance of guilt and active acceptance of guilt. Because now he says, we have to actively become guilty. Hmm. Wow. Sorry, I'm talking uh, talking too much here. No, no, this is great. <laughs> Not giving you the chance to, to ask questions. My no, apologies. That, no, no apologies necessary. That was exactly what I was hoping for. Um, and I'm sure everyone was just nodding along with me um, as, they, as they listened to this. Um, so I hope not. I hope they're not nodding. I hope there people react critically and say, how is that possible? How yeah. can you call people to become guilty um, and to think for themselves and to wrestle through it? Yeah, it's, it's so, it's provocative and groundbreaking. Um, you mentioned, at, at, we're short on time here, but I, I guess I just want to get to the last two questions I have for you. Uh, you mentioned earlier on that there were some unresolved tensions, like um, like not having a definition for the word guilty. Were there any other uh, tensions that you felt as you as you finished the work that, ah, I wish that Bonhoeffer would have elaborated on this more, I wish we would have a, a more clear picture of this, um, anything like that? Yes, and I continue to wrestle with this up to this very day. Um, And it all comes down to the Christological foundation of becoming guilty, of accepting guilt um, for the sake of the other person. Because Christology 
is the center of Dietrich Bonhoeffer's theology. And as you read through his ethics, no matter what he talks about, he, he always comes back to theology and he starts from theology. And the same holds true for, or at least he wants it to hold true also for his concept of accepting guilt. And the way he argues about it is um, that he says, well, have a look at, at Jesus. You know, he left his innocence. He became guilty for our sake. You know, he took on our sin and our guilt. Um, so, and then he makes the jump. And then he says, so we have to act likewise. Of course, he doesn't say that we can um, accept the sin for the other person in any salvific mm. um a dimension. Of course, he doesn't do that. Um, but still, he calls us to actively become guilty for the sake of the other person. And here, I think his argument doesn't hold up to this conclusion. Um, I wish it did, um, because I'm, I'm very much uh, taken by his concept of accepting guilt. But when he points to Christ, um, he says, well, Christ became guilty. He broke the law of the Sabbath, for example. Um, he, uh, and that was also, you know, um, Jesus was criticized for that by the Pharisees um, saying, well, how can your disciples uh, pick uh, these the grains, gather the grains on Sabbath? That's against uh, God's law. Um, and of course, uh, Jesus broke the law, but Bonifer does not take a closer look, which law is Jesus breaking here? The law, the nomos that Jesus is breaking here is the old law. And Jesus himself says, well, I came to give you a new law. And now Bonhoeffer, not having differentiated between these two kinds of laws, says, well, we now also have to break the new law, because that's actually the, the difficulty that remains with Bonhoeffer's concept. Um, once I taught a class um, on Bonhoeffer and we also, well, I, I regularly teach on, on Bonhoeffer, but once in a class, um, a student actually wrote a paper on this uh, concept of accepting guilt and the uh, paper was entitled Christ the Killer. And this is the inevitable conclusion if we take, you know, as Bonhoeffer wants us to take, um, Christ as also breaking his own law, you know, his own law of loving God and the other person. How is killing Hitler loving Hitler? So I think this route is... a. I think we're on thin ice here, and I'm not sure if this ice is holding up. So I would, I would actually go a different route that is also um, within Bonhoeffer, and I think that's the more convincing route, um, where he simply admits this is guilt, and we have to accept this guilt. And he himself, um, I think, was not sure if he did the right thing. When you look at his letters, uh, letters and uh, papers from prison later on, you find some very haunting poems. 
The autobiographical, autobiographical um, poem Jonah, for example, have a look at that poem. And there he writes, you know, seeing himself in the situation of Jonah with the, with the water, you know, being wild, the storm raging around him. And he, he asks himself, what have I done wrong that this storm is raging around me? You know, all the, all the attempted attacks on Hitler failed. And Bonhoeffer asks himself very um, self-critically also, and he, he, the, the, the final um, stanza in that poem is, I have sinned, throw me overboard. So I think up to the end, um, he wrestles with this question, have I done the right thing? And um, he repeatedly falls back on grace. And I think that's the only thing we can do. Right. He writes um, in, well, I consider it as one of the masterpieces in world literature, um, that one essay after 10 years. Mm -hmm. And he says, we are hoping for forgiveness and grace. We believe in a forgiving and merciful God who is merciful towards the sinner. But still, uh, that's the path that he chose for himself. By the way, he never said that everyone should follow the same path. Uh, you know, that was the one path that he chose for himself, being convinced it is the right path to go for himself but not demanding that others follow the same route. Thank you for that. Um, last question for you. We'll just do this, this really quick. It's a, it's a fun one. Um, the idea, it's a little game of desert island. So the idea is you're, you're trapped on a desert island and you're allowed to have one primary source book by Bonhoeffer and then one secondary source a book about Bonhoeffer. Um, which two books are you going to bring and why? Well, being trapped on a desert island by myself, I suppose I would not bring life together. Um, and my first intuition would be to bring ethics, you know, being an ethicist. But then, you know, being there by myself, I think I would rather go for letters and papers from prison. Because there we have not only Bonhoeffer as the theologian, but Bonhoeffer as the human being who wrestles with questions of loneliness, questions and um, uh, the, the, the existential crisis of being separated from his loved ones. So that would be a, that would be the literature I would bring. As for a secondary source on Bonhoeffer, I would go for um, Wolfgang Huber, uh, the great German theologian and Bonhoeffer specialist. Um, his recent um, biography of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, um, I, I think that well, the German version came out in 2019. I would go for that one. That's great. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. Again, I love the book and it was, uh, it's so well done and a great way to even get interested, uh, introduced to Bonhoeffer uh, for people who are new. The book is entitled, Everyone Who Acts Responsibly Becomes Guilty, Bonhoeffer's Concept of Accepting Guilt by Dr. Christine Schleiser. Thank you so much for, for joining me. It was a blast. It was a pleasure to be there. Thanks so much, Corey. You're welcome. I'll talk to you soon. All the best. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bonhoeffer Podcast. If you would like to support the podcast financially, you can do so at patreon.com slash bonhoefferpod. If you're enjoying these podcasts, please leave a review in your podcast app. It will help others find the show. And speaking of Patreon, I'd like to thank the current patrons of the show. Thank you to Soren Jensen, Diego Reeb, Chris Baker, Chris Sunby, Greg Harbaugh, Arthur Houts, Andrew Clark Howard, David Burnett, Hank Janelle, John Camardi, Chris Button, and Mary Chapman. And as always, thank you for listening. I love doing these every month. I learn a ton, and I hope you enjoy them as well. So that's all for now, and I'll see you all next month.